0: Welcome to the St. Andrew Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. You can connect with us online at www.gosaintandrew.com.
1: Oh, beloved, so much has happened. So much has happened leading up to this glorious moment. And it all began with a kiss from a friend, Judas. In the days that followed, Jesus was seized by authorities, denied by Peter, dragged before the Roman governor Pilate and the puppet King Herod, condemned by a crowd, beaten, convicted. Jesus would eventually be led to a hill just, just outside the city and placed on a cross and crucified. After his death, the broken body of Christ was claimed by a compassionate, righteous man, Joseph of Arimathea. And it was placed in a small, unused, unassuming tomb. All hope evaporated. What just happened, they wondered. What will we do now, they asked. And then on a quiet morning, not unlike this morning, A group of women went to the tomb, and something wonderful happened. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away. From the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why? Why do you look for the dead among the living, or the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word.
0: Easter. It's been a while, hasn't it? Like three years, actually, since the last time we had Easter together. No one's counting, but it's 1,092 days since we last got together in this space for Easter. And given that I haven't seen so many of you since April 21st, 2019, <laughs> let me just say you look really gray. I mean, Great. Great, you look wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, actually. I mean, all things considered. Because we've uh, been through some stuff, haven't we? Think about all the challenges that we have endured over the last two and a half to three years now. All the plans that have been delayed and foiled. All those hopes and dreams that we've had to put on the sidelines. All the adversities and the grief that some of us have gone through. It has been a lot. We've been through some things. i shared before the story that a newspaper once ran about a woman and her pet parakeet by the name of Chippy. Chippy uh, was this favored parakeet, and the woman was cleaning out the cage of the parakeet, Chippy, and with one of those canister vacuum cleaners, And the phone rang, and uh, without the attachment, by the way, and the phone rang, and she reached over to get the, and she heard that horrible sound of Chippy getting sucked into the vacuum cleaner. First the whoosh, and then the thud, right? (laughs) So she immediately put the phone down, she tore open the bag, and there was Chippy, a little stunned, but still alive, and she raced him to the faucet, whereby she turned on the the water and washed all the soot and ash off of him, and then found the hair dryer and began to blow dry him. All. And uh, they asked her later, "How's Chippy doing?" And she responded by saying, "Chippy doesn't sing anymore. <laughs> Chippy just sits and stares." <laughs> so how you doing, Chippy? <laughs> Are you still singing? We've been through some stuff. We have been hooverized by a pandemic. <laughs> and all the personal hardship and the social unrest that's accompanied it. But you made it. We made it. We're here. It's Easter. And this is no time just to sit and stare. It's, it's a day for singing. Easter. Our story on this extraordinary day is about how life Hooverized Jesus on Good Friday. But the tomb couldn't contain him by Easter Sunday. If that's true for Jesus, it can be true for us. The question is, how did this whole story go down? How did it happen? We just don't know. There is so much about Easter that's a mystery. But did you hear some of those buzzwords in the story? Nonsense, doubting, disbelieving. Nobody really got it. This whole story, it occurs in the dark. There are no eyewitnesses. So we know very little about how it all went down. We don't know if it was a typically warm Palestinian morning or if it was unseasonably cool. We don't know if the earth shuddered or shaked when Jesus rose from the dead or if it was mysteriously silent. We don't know what Jesus looked like when he came out of the tomb, whether he busted out like the Kool-Aid man Or if he actually walked out looking like somebody who had been dead for three days. Unwrapping his shroud and holding his hand against the sunlight. All we do know is that for those first on the scene that morning, there were more questions than answers. There was a lot more doubting than there was believing. And I think maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Because maybe we share in common with those first disciples. That experience of unknowing, of asking the questions over the last couple of years in a pandemic and, and just getting silence bounced back at us from all those questions. Maybe we struggle with this tension between what we know and believe is rationally possible on the one hand and, and what we experience to be really possible. Um, how did it all go down we don't really know? Instead of answers... All we have are questions. And one question in particular that I think resounds on a day like today. It's the question that these two strange men ask the women at the tomb. Why do you seek the living among the dead? These women, they haven't come to the tomb expecting a resurrection. They've come to practice the custom of wrapping a dead corpse for burial, for anointing the body it's a sign of it's a sign of deep respect and honor they would bring at least a 100 pounds worth of, of of spices myrrh and aloes and they would wrap the body it was a, it was a way of of living out the customs of the Jewish people but it was also a way it was a way of saying farewell as we say today it's a way of kind of finding some closure at least starting that process to say the world's never going to be the same again this tragedy happened on Friday. And so these women come to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, to acknowledge that a terrible tragedy has occurred, and to learn, as we all have to sometimes, how to say, in this case, Jesus was, and stop saying Jesus is. They come to the tomb to get used to it. And that's when these two unnamed strangers ask them, why do you look for the living among the dead? I said earlier that there are more questions than answers and I think that is the most important question of all. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I think we should I think we should pay somebody every day of our lives to ask us that question, why do you look for the living among the dead? Because how often Do we look for life among lifeless things? Things that will never give us life. Past regrets and setbacks that we can't, we just can't stop replaying in our minds. Old answers or old beliefs that we once held as true, but now we question. Old relationships or commitments that are no longer, you know, life-giving. Bygone dreams, goals that we once had that were so appealing at the time, but now just have really lost their luster. Why do you look for the living among the dead? How often do we seek those things that rob us or drain us of life? Old habits, old attitudes or routines, addictions, dependencies that, that are hard to shake, endless, the endless rungs on the career ladder that we can't stop climbing, grudges and resentments you carry around. These things like big heavy rocks that we never quite get around to dropping? Why do you look for the living among the dead? How often do we search for life among those things that are just here today and gone tomorrow? The accolades of others, the affirmations of others, the the validation of our successes, all the shiny sparkly things that we can't take with us. Why do you look for the living among the dead? It's a great question. What those strangers of the tomb are trying to ask us, what they're trying to tell us, is that what will give us life and meaning and purpose and joy in life, the risen Christ itself, can't be found in a cemetery. It can't be found among dead things. What they're trying to tell us is that searching for life, searching for the risen Christ, it means we have to leave the cemetery and go out. We have to experience life out there among those that are hurting. While the world while the world is searching for life among the dead, the risen Christ is searching for the dead among the living. The dead among the living, have you ever met them? I mean I'm not talking about the the dead dead. I mean people who are alive but not really living. The half dead, the walking dead, the dead in the water, the dead beat, dead locked, dead eyed, dead headed, as good as dead, half dead, dead tired at the end of the dead long day. Like those women who go to the tomb trying to get on with their life in the aftermath of death, just trying to get used to it. Maybe there are places inside of us over these last couple of years that kind of have died too, or at least are less alive than they once were. Every one of us in this space knows what it's like to go through life and to suffer and to struggle invisibly. And it feels like nobody sees you and nobody cares. That's what isolation has done to us. But the risen Christ sees and cares, and that's why he leaves the tomb. He's out there. He's right here. And he's seeking, he's seeking the dead among the living. I talked with somebody a while back. He had awakened to this discovery that after seeking life among things that weren't life-giving, a part of himself died. He was a father of two kids, a successful executive, a rising star in his industry. At 42, he He had never given much thought to what makes a great life beyond just making a great living. And then, as he described it, the perfect storm hit all at once. His marriage fell apart. He lost his job in a corporate restructuring. Then he was diagnosed with a life-changing illness, a condition. And in the worst season of of his life, it finally occurred to him. One night when he was sitting, of all places, in a bar. And the server asked him, are you traveling on business? No. Are you waiting for somebody? Nope. It's just me. And he said in that moment it occurred to him that that phrase, it's just me, sort of summed up his whole life up to that point. He was surrounded by all these people. But all alone. He was the dead among the living. And he said it was there in the bar of all places in the world that he reached out to God for the first time in his life. And he had never believed in God. He said, here in this noisy bar, it just happened. I found myself praying. And then he said, in your line of work, uh, does that sound a little strange? I said, buddy, in my line of work, we call that a resurrection, okay? Okay. The risen Christ seeks the dead among the living, calling each of us back to life. I know it's not always that dramatic. It doesn't even have to be. For most of us, that awakening to life, is more subtle. Maybe it's a little bit like driving your car with that one worn-out tire. You ever done that? You ever driven around for so long on a bad tire that after a while, you just stop hearing the hum? Feeling the wobble. You get used to it. Years ago, I was driving down the highway, and one of my rear tires actually went flat, and I didn't know it. I had two friends in the car. Um, One of them, the guy in the back, he was a former football player. He was a a bit on the heavy side, so I thought that was just his, you know, the wobble. I thought it was just his personal contribution to the situation. (laughs) But that tire had been in such bad shape for so long and when it finally went flat, I didn't even know it. Some guy had to pull up next to me, roll down his window, and inform me of the bad news. That's often how it happens in life. When something dies within us, it dies slowly. Faith, compassion, a generous spirit, joy, peace, a sense of purpose. We don't usually lose this all at once. We lose it by getting used to it until it's just flat. This is how we die when we're still living. It's how whole communities die. It's how the world dies. People just getting used to the wobble until it's flat. And Jesus busted out of his tomb to look for the dead among the living because the world needs you to be alive. It needs you to be alive it needs you to be alive to never ever get used to it the strangers of the tomb they ask the question why are you looking for the dead points to Jesus they point to Jesus if you want to find the risen Christ you go find the dead among the living whenever you see in the world somebody feeding another comforting another visiting another, caring, loving, rebuilding with one another. That's where you're going to find the risen Christ. Jesus is the one that's hanging out with the dead among the living. And if you go there, you're going to find life too. You're going to find life enough for yourself to give back to the world. In Costa Rica, you'll find this wonderful little thing called a volcano. A volcano. Arenal is the name of that. Maybe you've been there and you know this story. The eruptions of Aranol consistently spew this ash and lava throughout the region, and in doing so, it enriches the soil all around that region. Soils, as you may know, that are rich in lava and ash are some of the most fertile soils in the world. Think Kona coffee, pineapples in Hawaii. And one of the unexpected results of this rain of lava and ash across the region of Arno is this wonderful expression of resurrection. The richness of that soil, it leads not only to flourishing crops, but even, even the old fence posts come back to life again. So much ash accumulates around these old dead fence posts, that they've been literally resurrected into new, revitalized living organisms. Within the region of Arenal, you will find growing fence posts. The locals call them living fences. These once lifeless posts begin to sprout trees out of their dead-end existence against all odds, these new roots from below, these new shoots from above are urged out of the posts and they're restored to life by the volcanic power of resurrection. The dead among the living coming back to life. That's all I know. It happened on Easter. Something like that happened on Easter. And it happens even still. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The risen one is out there among the dead, bringing them back to life. And may we, like Jesus, never, ever rest in peace. May we, with Jesus, rise in power and life. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. And if you'd like more information, go to www.gosaintandrew.com. See you next week.